I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, offering iconic tracksuits, classic polos, and the new Young Line sneaker. Originally designed in the mid-1980s, it's our favorite spring silhouette, and it's back. You can get it now at SergioTacchini.com, and follow them on Instagram at SergioTacchini underscore official for updates. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your order. Maybe help somebody with my amazing advices about life. Subs. This week's guest is Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. Pretty good, right? Oh, they, did you practice that? I did because I was editing the audio and I thought she deserved a really A plus effort yes, from she, me. She, she got one. She got one. Well done. That was impressive. I'm super impressed. I just call her Nastia. Uh, Nastia Nastipavs, as she goes by on Instagram. What a character. She's awesome, right? Um, you know, the great thing about doing these pods for me and just like with everything that we always talk about, like when I do post-match interviews or I do an interview in general, I always just try and ho- hope that their regular personality comes out when they're doing a post-match interview or like they, it's their moment, right? It's their 90 seconds often after a match to show who they really are because you, you still don't get to really see them in press you get the written word down in, in, a, in a newspaper article, but you don't really get to see them as people. Um, and, you know, my goal and our goal with this, you know, with the Racket Magazine podcast is to actually have them 45 minutes show a little bit of who they are. And I think yeah. we're happy to t- say that we heard and we got a lot of nastia uh, today with um, her just honesty about her life, about her coaching situation, about the things that she likes, the things that she doesn't like, and, you know, being obviously in quarantine right now with her family. Great ideas about what to do with her career after she's done, Uh, but she's far from done because she still has some very, very big goals. One thing I learned, uh, one thing I've learned kind of all season, I would not live, survive a day in Russia. It is (laughs) tough there. (laughs) Like, no thanks. Yeah. Um, well, I think we, you know, obviously we had Svetlana Kuznetsova and we had Arena Sabalenka, but they definitely had different sort of mindsets a little bit. Sabalenka's father, um, you know, seemed to be quite a very good positive in her life, like and really built her up. She didn't really believe in herself, but the but the bottom line tone to a lot of Russian tennis players is 
There's not a lot of like um, happy sort of like everything's great. You're a 10 out of 10. Like you're like you win a slam. You're a six because you could have been a 10. You know what I mean? Right. Like nothing's really good <laughs> enough. No, I mean, I spoke to Daria Gavilova the other day just um, on an Insta live and the same thing, you know, and she's obviously living and um, is now Australian. And so she has that juxtaposition as well in her personality. Um, because one of the things she said is uh, it was never it's not really good enough in Russia. That's the biggest difference. And we've seen it now. Really, it's a theme for all the Russians. Yeah. Well, better them than me, because Nastia has handled it. She's turned into a hilariously funny person, also a leader on the WTA tour, um, and somebody who's turned in some really, really great performances, uh, hopefully more to come when we get back to the courts. Yeah, she um, had her best result yeah, in Australia. And she had her best result in Australia in January, so, you know, at slam level. Um, and, you know, she was probably looking forward to this year and really getting it going, but she's had an interruption with uh, COVID-19 and also now looking to change coaches. So it's uh, it's going to be very interesting when she comes back, but you and I will definitely be there to support her. And I hope everybody is because she's a great chick. She's super, super nice. As you said, she's on the board of the WTA Players Council now. And so she really takes her best interest in what's happening with the sport. And, and we love her. Hey, welcome to the Racket Magazine podcast. And today, I'm not only joined by my co-host, finally, Caitlin Thompson, but also by Anastasia Pavlichinkova. Okay, say say the name correctly for everybody so they know. Anna, so, okay, Anastasia Pavlichinkova. Okay, thanks for Love that. It. I'll remember that next time I do one of your that's, matches. That's the, Russian, that's the Russian pronunciation, but you you said it really, really good. Oh, thanks. A little bit of experience, I guess. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Doing the matches. <laughs> This is uh, crazy times. Let's start with that because obviously we're not sure whenever we play our podcast because we call them evergreen, meaning that we can play them at any time. But it's kind of tough for us to be able to talk to you today without talking about the fact that we're all sitting on our computers in other parts of the world. You are in Moscow? Yeah, because of COVID-19, coronavirus, and um, it's been an unbelievably crazy time. What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, it's been absolutely crazy because, first of all, um, it took me by a shock when we all arrived. I started from there when we arrived in Indian Wells and uh, because I'm an, on the player council as well. And then I, rem- I will never forget that day when I was practicing and then one of our board members came uh, to my practice and I'm like, what is she doing? Like, since when, is, since when is she watching my practice? But like, I'm okay. You know, and then she grabbed me, uh, grabbed me uh, directly to the meeting. And then we sit there and I'm completely shocked. Like, I didn't expect that one of the biggest events on tour is going to get canceled because of that, because I guess nobody uh, really took it that serious, you know, that situation. Because at first, of course, everybody was aware that there is a virus out there. But how bad it is, nobody knew. Okay, we we had a few cases, but there and there, and you know. So um, then, um, why I started from there because um, I I felt completely lost and in Dan Walls because I, I was like, well, I'm absolutely totally not prepared for this. Um, what was that meeting like? Because I remember being there, of course, with Sam Stoza, 
And obviously we were hearing things, but you know, Sam was playing quali. So the night before quali started, Sam texts messaged me and she goes, I'm hearing things that they may cancel this tournament. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. There's no way. I mean, you just, we just couldn't mentally go there, you know? So I want to know from your perspective, because you're on the council, what were those meetings like? Um, well, first of all, because um, nobody was prepared for this, so it was completely out of nowhere for everybody. So, as I said, like she grabbed me, one of the board members grabbed me from my practice, and then she said, well, there is emergency. And do you know how many things went um, through my head? I thought, okay, somebody died, uh, tournament director died, or something happened. I'm, I don't know, is there a bomb on center court? I'm like, what the hell is going on, you know? So I, <laughs> I was... Uh, I had uh, hundreds of different scenarios in my head. What What is the emergency? Um, and then uh, once I got uh, to the meeting, all the girls were already there. Um, and then um, obviously Tommy Haas came in. And um, so they started to explain that they had a few cases in Indian Wells. And because it's a resort, uh, they don't have enough um, hospitals to accommodate in case a lot of, you know. And so, yeah, um, it was absolutely a shocking situation. So they said, um, but I first thought they discussing whether to postpone or cancel, but, but then they go like, no, it's not happening. And I, I, you know, it took me days to actually realize that. Um, and so, so I was like, I don't know. We were all waiting for Miami, but if Indian goals got canceled in how Miami is going to happen, you know, that's like, and then NBA were also thinking to uh, cancel their league and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do without tennis. I'm lost. Like, I don't know. I don't have a plan B. I'm not prepared for this. And what is uh, actually amazing, I've never been injured for a long period of time. Lucky you. Well, like, exactly. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good thing to have. But at the same time, like I'm 28 and I don't know, I've never stopped more than, let's say, um, off season, like six weeks of tennis. So I'm like, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my time now. And, you know, but uh, slowly I'm getting into this new routines and I'm also enjoying it, trying to find uh, new things. Well, I want to ask you a lot about that because your social media has been amazing to watch. You've done obviously a lot on your own account. You've done some for the WTA. Talk to us about what that new routine looks like. As far as I can tell, there's a lot of baking. There's a lot of going to your sauna, which makes me extremely jealous. Uh, <laughs> it's also kind of snowy yeah. in Moscow. So what's your day-to-day been like? People tell me, oh, you, you've got a big personality and you, you're very funny and creative and stuff like that. So you can use a little bit more of that because most of the time I try to stay low key and just hit the tennis ball and play <laughs> tennis, you know, like all my friends, they know how uh, I can be like really hilarious and I like that, but I, um, we don't have this like different mentality in Russia. We don't used to like show off and show everything. My, in my family, my mom would be always like, no, Nasta, please don't do it she's like she's this like innocent angel like we're completely different with her I'm like um the other day I was wearing my Christmas pants to the supermarket and she's like Nesta wearing April and I'm like so what you know like um like the way I dress up as well me and my brother we we like we have this different view at things so um 
yeah, I was doing this couple of WTA takeovers and for Russian Tennis Federation um, turned out to be fun. And so then I'd done a live on WTA with Bethany Matik-Sans because um, we discussed the... I just recently went uh, like baby pink with my hair, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm noticing um, that it's the tone. It's toned down a little yeah. bit, the hair, because we actually can see yeah. you because we're on Zoom video right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about it? Are you going to do that again when you come back on tour? Uh, yeah, I might. I, I actually, uh, I've done a couple of times before, but uh, been a while ago and because um, I'm very, like, low-key nobody noticed me <laughs> that's why you don't remember no but um anyway this is how I am and um it's just like lately I don't care I don't mind what people think like if they don't like my uh style because I wear those spongebob socks if they don't like it that's fine with me because I like spongebob and I'm gonna wear those socks so that's, for example, with my Christmas pants in April, okay? So Wait, um, wait, do you wear the Christmas yeah. pants with the SpongeBob socks to yeah. the supermarket? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. That, I'm all good with that. Since you found uh, a little bit more of an overt presentation, I'm sitting here looking at your baby pink hair. We've got some tattoos in the camera. When tennis resumes, you might come back with a bit more of a uh, high-key personality. Does this make you kind of reassess you know, your persona a little bit and how much you show people? You know what? Like, I don't force this. This is something that that's how I am. And I don't need to um, make something extra to show to people. Like, um, I just like uh, the tattoos. I like to dress up. Uh, I like, I love fashion, but in a, also my special way, I like pink hair. And so when I do it, if people see that and uh, from time to time, I post a picture or a video of that. That's fine with me, you know. And I don't mind if they like it or not. I if they judge me, that's fine because I like this, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> just don't just don't watch it. Like don't don't follow me, you know. It, um, it's actually yeah. nice. One of the things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, yeah. you are pretty low key, as you say on the court. You sort of go about your business. But I know you and I also know that kind of fun, different side of you. I, I guess, you know, is it something that has changed through the years leaving Russia and traveling and being around people of other cultures? Is that what sort of changed that a little bit in you? Or is that what you've always been like off of the tennis court? Yeah, good question. Uh, uh, that could be because, <laughs> yeah, um, because... Uh, like every time I go back to Russia, first of all, uh, even my parents and like people, they ask me where I'm from because I speak <laughs> Russian with an accent and I'm like, and I speak English with an accent and I speak French with an accent. So I'm like, okay. Give well, me a break. Least, yeah. So I'm a, a child of the world. And, uh, and I think because, yeah, uh, I basically left Russia when I was 13. First I was in Czech Republic and then from like 15, I was in France. Then I was a bit in Spain. And of course I travel a lot. So I guess I picked up a little bit of everything and seen, like you said, um, hundreds of different cultures and, uh, yeah, I guess this like style and personality and I started to care a little less because I think Russian people be more, um, they more closed. Yeah. They, we, um, 
so and like I said when growing up like I always been like that but then I had to always tone it down because you know my parents or some people they would be like oh that's a little that's a little yeah yeah Yeah, exactly that's a little too much you know and my older brother um you know he's like full of tattoos he's very tall and like he he also liked to express himself but here like it wasn't good to do it because people would look at you like whoa like it's not right Mm -hmm. always this judgment Mm -hmm. so how did you get into tennis so I was, uh, my older brother started playing. Uh, my my dad uh, was coaching him. Um, so my my whole family was in tennis. And then I was like four or five and I picked up the racket because I was always around them. Started to hit against the wall. And then like when I was six, they, they saw some potential there and it, it started to become a bit more serious. It sounds like from what you're talking about, you and your brother still have a ton of similarities. It sounds like you guys are very close. Is that is that the case? Does he ever, is he involved in any way with your tennis? Does he come or travel with you or has he visited you when you've been in some of these far-flung places? No, not at all. Like he doesn't care at all, <laughs> actually. <laughs> we, um, and I always get pissed uh, um because um he's very distant actually <laughs> like um it's tough to explain we, um we are really close when we see each other and we spend time but once we separate like we sometimes we don't call each other or don't text each other for months but i know he's fine he knows i'm fine he's of course following my like results he always said like congrats and that's it pretty much um <laughs> and um he yeah he wouldn't want to travel um and you know uh, uh, he's very special like he's from another planet for sure special so, or special bad or special 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 but in my um in my world <laughs> it's special good because i like different people i think everybody is very special in a way we all we all have different personalities and everybody has something uh, and I think it's better this way to have this something extra spicy because what like I I don't like when people are just boring and simple and you know so well, yeah I don't think anybody would describe you as boring I was talking to Radka our <laughs> photographer who got to do a photo shoot with you at Indian Wells yeah. in those weird days when nobody knew what to do yeah. and she was like yeah. Nasty had so much personality we had so much fun on the shoot and it was so great yeah. because I hope the photos that she took will you know sort of help tell that story a little bit it was actually was one of my favorite photo shoots because you feel right away the energy and how creative she is because like as soon as she came in in, in my house like you could tell she see things like in a different way like for example she would be like looking at that wall there and it's like a regular wall and she's like right okay you sit there it's like she like she sees something already like something is happening so uh i have just a simple yellow shorts and something and then the waters turn out amazing like uh, she made it so creative and um i love those pictures and the photo shoot and the energy we had and it took like 15 minutes one hour and amazing speaking of energy um and you've t- spoken about like sort of how important that is right you feel that with your friends you feel that with people you're working with 
So I yeah. guess something that's happened over the last like few weeks since Indian Wells is that you have yeah. stopped working with Sam Sumick. Um, so yeah. you've got now approximately probably six more months to find a new coach because God knows when we're going to be back on the tennis court. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, we don't know, right? This is very much a big unknown. But, um, you know, uh, here's your opportunity to sort of set the record straight a little bit. What happened there? Because you were obviously having great results, um, you know, made a final of Japan, I think the first week you started working together. But, you know, that's also like a lot of work you'd already done. And then obviously Australian Open had a great run there. But um, so what happened there? Yeah. Um, I'll just make a, a, a little joke because I made a funny video with a filter where I look like super old, you know, and I make an announcement, uh, my retirement announcement that guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm thank you all for the support. I really appreciate it. But because of the lockdown, um, we're in 2026 now and we still can start. Um, you know, I just hope it's not going to happen because <laughs> I don't want to, that's not how, that's not how I wanted to, um, stop my career. So, you know, um, anyways, uh, talking of, <laughs> talking, it was pretty funny talking of Sam. Um, yeah. Uh, so first of all, when I hired him, uh, I was in that, uh, kind of bad moment in my career last year and the year before because I wasn't sure I, I guess I had like a burnout or something because I, I came to the point where I wasn't enjoying tennis anymore I had some personal stuff of course and I, I had um, yeah I wasn't sure what I'm gonna do because I, I couldn't find the right process in my with my team couldn't find the right team and the results wasn't there at the ranking that I expected. So everything like, you know, and so I, when I heard Sam, I, because he's very um, well known in the, on the tour, he's, he's got great results with previous players. So I thought, okay, I need this extra little, like extra push and experience, he seemed like experience coach. Exactly. Um, you know, and like the coach that experience I ever had before in the past. And so I thought, you know, this is going to give me this um, push and I need this discipline that I used to have uh, ages ago when I was working with my dad. He was super strict. So I guess I miss that, you know. Um, and I, I think just also that gave me this a little push and, you know, um, results came in after years open. But um I, I just don't want to forget that uh, I w did a lot of work with Rob Steckley just before the US Open. He was helping me and he took me in this like really bad, bad condition. And um, Rob was a former coach of Lucy Safarova, Safarova, Dennis Shapoval. So go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and I should yeah, know, so definitely curse on this podcast. So don't feel um, like you have to censor yourself. Any curse words are more than welcome. Oh, here. yeah. We, uh, the F bomb oh, okay. gets dropped. The F bomb gets dropped oh. on the regular with me. All the time. Shit, fuck. Thanks, God. You told me. Fucking shit. Let's go. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Okay. Whew, relieved. Um, um, I just want to say this because there's been a lot of work done, uh, just before, uh, Asia. And then basically we started, we, we started a trial with Sam, um, just before Osaka, uh, a week. Um, then I done final there. Um, uh, final in Moscow and then yeah um, and then it was pretty good but then 
the more time I was spending with the team, the more I was practicing and experiencing uh, stuff um, with, with him. Then I had one month in California, then I shared an open. And, and so slowly I just started to feel more and more that, okay, I, I think actually this is not something that I want. This is not something that I feel comfortable with. And this is not something that I enjoy. Why? Because, yeah, because like you mentioned, the energy, um, because we, um, I think there was miscommunication, like uh, communication, in just uh, communication wise, it wasn't good enough for me. Um, I Because I'm somebody who needs um, to have also fun with my life and on court and enjoy and feel free. I need to feel free with whatever I'm doing and I need um, some support, mm-hmm. mental support. And, and I just didn't feel anything of that um, yeah. from, from him. One of the things that I saw that you had spoken about in the past was that, and, and you, you were quoted in saying is that um, you felt there was a lot of ego on his regard as well. And a lot of I, you know, he, you know, speaking about himself mm-hmm. as opposed to you. And I, that does drive me crazy because um, obviously I've, done a bit of coaching myself. I obviously was a player for a long time and I hate when coaches say we, (laughs) or, you know, and they make it about themselves. This is about, sure. The coach can make a huge difference, but the player is the one that has to do the work and do what you've asked of them. And so I think that was one thing that I read that you had quoted about saying. Yeah, I I did say that. Um, and it's not only, um, towards him but like in general there are a lot of coaches out there like this and I just hate this in people also in general I don't think it's normal because I um as I said I think the whole team um whether it's tennis coach fitness coach um uh mental coach you know anybody in the team they need to work for the player to achieve what they want. They all discuss what they set up the goals and they work for it towards and they help and support a player. They don't try to put, um, put the player down or destroy the player or, you know, um, so that's that simple as that. I mean, for me, it's like such an important thing. I think what you're saying is that you want to work hard. You want to do everything that they ask of you. But in the end, you want somebody who's going to be um, see the glasses half full and to try and push you to be better, but to actually make you socially, um, like have a life as well, like a good, not a good life, not like partying, but you want them to actually enjoy working hard every time and, and, and yeah. have that good uh, energy with you. I do believe that every person and every player is very individual. And the problem comes, I think that some coaches, um, they used to do, um, they work in a particular way and they do it with everybody in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I hate this and I don't think it should be like that because um, everybody is absolutely different pers- personality um, physically. And, and so you can't just, you know, you got to adjust. Mm-hmm. You have to adjust, not the player, mm-hmm. because this is how I play this is how, um, and I'm doing uh, 24-7, I wake up and I try hard and I want to improve and it's obvious and you know that. Mm-hmm. So um, so um, I, I'm doing everything that you ask me for, but, you know, you, you got to think a little and, you know, adjust a little more to me and try to, to help me, you know. So um, 
And yeah, because maybe sometimes because of that ego, uh, ego, you don't see that that stuff. Maybe I don't know. Well, this is my last thing I'm going to say on it because I think it's super important. You point that out that every player's individually different with their personality, and you have to, as a coach, because I've had to do this, adjust to those different personalities. One might yeah. be getting someone to see the glass is half full. One might be getting to see the player realize that their glass isn't quite as full as they think it is, you know, and sort of push them in different ways. But also I know you and I'm, I've always, you know, pulled for you. I've always hoped that you've done well. And I have to say, when you turned up with Sam, I was like, because <clears throat> I'm not a big fan. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm kind of happy now. I just hope you find a coach that pushes you to be great when you come back. Yeah, I just had to, um, I'm going to give one example because I also, um, I worked with uh, Dieter Kindleman. Uh, he was my coach right after he stopped uh, with Maria Sharapova. He was uh, with her for three years being her sparring. Mm-hmm. And then my agent called me up and said, okay, you're looking for a coach. He's available now, so try it out. And he wants to be a coach now. So I was his first player uh, that he coached. And then uh, what happened was started in April and then uh, during French Open, um, he would almost lock me down at the hotel and we would uh, practice uh, every morning at 8 a.m. offside, two hours, grinding like crazy. And then he's like, okay, now you eat and you go back to the hotel. I'm going to stay at the courts. You stay there the whole day and we're going to meet up for dinner. And I'm like, okay, um, so one day, two days, three days. And then, you know, it's like right now I'm on a lockdown. That's how I felt back then. <laughs> so I already had the experience. And I'm like, um, I, I'm sorry, but I, I mentally I, I mentally can't do this. And, um, and there are a few exercises that Maria was doing with all my respect. And we're actually good friends with her. But like, I, I just physically don't think I should do it and I can't do it. And but but then what's the the problem is that how he reacts to this mm-hmm. he then he starts to accuse me that i'm um, overweight i'm lazy you know this is um and so that was him and you know another coach similar that's what i don't like and i have no problem to work hard and but again because i'm not maria i mean this is uh, like this is I'm like good. tinder or like tinder for like coaches this is like you gotta swipe the right way man come on <laughs> <laughs> well i think there's a lot with your worldview you know i think some people and i think it is about ego and i think for some people all they want to do uh is is make a player follow a particular plan or have their way be the most important but what's amazing to me is the more we talk to players on this show, and obviously what our magazine is a lot about is is talking about the humanity of the players a lot more than people who are machines who go and hit tennis balls. And it's always a delight to me when we talk to somebody who feels constrained by too much structure. Somebody like Lena, who doesn't want to take the funding from the state and do exactly what her coaches say because she knows that that's not how she's going to play the best. And what you're talking about and what you described as understanding how people are special is really meaningful because it means that their success looks like a lot of different things, um, but it has to be fueled by joy and by engagement. And you can't beat somebody into submission and make them, maybe you can make them a champion, but you certainly can't make them a happy person by doing that. And I always like when players understand that or 
seem to to get it. Yeah, no, I I, I do believe um, in nowadays or like in the world, anything you do, you have to be happy and enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, um, is you're not gonna get any results out of it. And maybe I'm wrong, but um, I'm not gonna regret it. Maybe I I like people said maybe. Um, I bounced, like I didn't take the best coaches out because of my whatever personality, but I, I just, I can't. When I, I think this is great that um, I have this luxury of choosing with whom I want to hang out, with whom I want to spend time, work out, uh, who, uh, and who I want to practice with, who I want to be my coach with. I think it's luxury and I, I feel free. It's like, I can choose. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, revitalizing and disrupting the status quo since 1966. Follow them on Instagram at Sergio Tacchini underscore official and go to SergioTacchini.com for more. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout and you'll get 30% off your order. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, I think, Nastia, you've seen um, a lot of players come and go. You've seen a lot of great players come and go. You've seen some of them when they have gone, that they're socially not so equipped for the rest of their life, right? So I think it's super important that socially you're able to function in a normal world outside of the tennis bubble. I think that's something that people don't really understand. It's like a traveling circus, you know? And you even touched upon it, like, what do I do without tennis? Has this period in your life with the coronavirus and no tennis has it kind of made you think about what do I want to do after tennis well well I I should be I should be doing that I should be probably thinking because you know um time time goes fast and but uh, I don't know right now I'm kind of I try to I learn how to live in the moment Mm -hmm. and I I know because I've been actually since a little girl I've been always going in the future like I I always like you know when I was 17 I always expected myself I'm, I was looking at the others I'm like okay but she's there like I want to be top 10 I want to yeah I want to win and I'm always I'm not in the present just like so now I want to try to enjoy what I have right now what I'm doing like now today and okay maximum tomorrow what I'm gonna have for breakfast but um 
but uh, I always like when I had two years ago, like and last year, this period where I wasn't sure what I want to like continue playing tennis or not. I I was thinking like, okay, um, I, I actually I, I was in a really bad condition with myself. Like I, I I came to the point where I wake up and I don't want to do anything. Um, and then I would take a list of paper. They say it's good to write down, write the things down, like what you want to do and achieve. And I would sit there for 30 minutes and I couldn't come up with anything. So then I was like, okay, um, (laughs) so that's going to be tough. You know, like it was a really tough moment, but I'm now I'm happy that I'm out of it and I'm actually enjoying every single minute and day of my life. Um, maybe something, uh, definitely something maybe with TV and because I like, I like people, I like the energy. I like Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. to exchange that. Mm -hmm. And I like to communicate with people and, um, you know, maybe help somebody with something with my um, amazing advices about life. (laughs) And, um, um, I mean, you're still so young. Like, you're so young still, right? You're only 28. I mean, <laughs> we, we, I mean players are playing until they're mid to late 30s now. So, you, you know, maybe you've got another 10 years. And you're, I don't know. I mean, this is certainly yeah. adding a year to your career, this uh, situation we've got going on now. But, yeah, I think that it's the one thing that players don't think about enough because you're so in the moment. I mean, I was so in the moment when I played. But I always sort of dabbled doing TV or doing stuff in the media because – I knew that it. I did like it. So it might be something that you can consider now, like weaving it into your career, even though you're trying to be very serious and you know be top 10 and maybe make a final, win a Grand Slam, which you're very capable yeah, of. Yeah, I do want that. Like I'm, um, I'm, I'm super hungry right now um, more than ever. And I still, because of the times has changed a little, right? So we see a lot of uh, players like, Serena and a lot of players that over 30 and they're still in amazing shape. So um, that gives me also a little like motivation and pump it like so I can still go on and you know I'm still in my 20s sort of like and I've got a big experience on tour and yeah I'm hungry super motivated and I think you know I, I want to try to go for some more just to to kind of tie together some of the future stuff but also some of some of how you're philosophically kind of dealing with your game understanding yourself and looking at what your goals are it's really interesting to me that you're involved in the WTA leadership and I wonder what that's sort of taught you but also maybe what you're teaching them or what you're bringing to 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 the table there and how you are thinking about shaping the sport not only for yourself but also for other players who are going to come come after you for example, right now, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, players, low-ranked players, because, you know, um, was it, it's not easy when you sit at the table. The first thing, whatever we discuss, it, you always compare it to yourself. How would you react in the situation? And it always comes to you like, okay, I would do that. I, I would feel. So, you know, it's always about you, the first thing, the first reaction. But then I'm like, hold on a second. Like, there are other thousands of players on tour behind you and higher than you. So you got to, that's the thing, you got to change perspective and look at at the whole picture at everybody. So you try to take top 20 and below 100 and in the middle. So so that's the thing. Um, I'm trying to think of right now, how can we actually help lowering players? Because this is a really extreme and bad 
uh, time, especially for them, not only for us. And so, yeah, and so I try to talk to other players um, and have some ideas. Just I think our structure, um, I would change our structure, the calendar. I think it's it's crazy. Like I always say, there is no other sports that have this crazy schedule. I think it's not healthy and it's not mentally healthy. No, it's way too long. I mean, it's, it's, it's physically, mentally. Um, and I think also for the audience, it's hard to know where to focus your energy. Yeah. Right. Fans, I think fans, they get confused. They're like, and even like, I remember I posted, uh, I have some, um, assistant with my social media but anyway like they proposed let's do the calendar you're gonna post on your instagram uh what next other tournaments you're gonna play and we posted like um leon indian wells i know uh, dubai doha leon indian wells miami uh charleston and i get comments like do you have time for lee for for live like all this kind of it's it's true so basically did you you answer uh no (laughs) No, exactly no. Um, I'm I'm resting in the in the plane when I fly to the next event, but uh, but it's true. Like seven weeks in a row, and those are all very big tournaments. So of course it's tough. I, I can't right now. I can't afford to skip that many tournaments. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing from you is that you actually are thinking about others, and isn't that nice to hear from somebody else? Too? <laughs> Yes, I I try to think about others. Yeah, well, that's really nice of you. I'm glad that you've matured into a caring human being, which, you know, sometimes doesn't happen on the tour, I've got to say. But, I mean, aside from, you know, we still, I want to still ask you what your goals are outside of taking care of everybody now, worrying about other players and obviously getting back onto the tour. You know, we're hoping that once this you know, this coronavirus gets under control, we'll be all back playing. And what's one of your, what are the most important goals for you, like going forward in your career? What would you like to achieve? And now that you have this great yeah. perspective. I mean, I want to win as much as I can uh, titles, grandsons, and I, I want to be number one, of course. Um, I know it's like a cliche. Everybody is saying that. But I really want it now. Like, actually, you know, um, I was I was catching myself before that I was always ambitious, but I guess not fully, not hundred percent. I don't know. It's it's. I'm go- I'm gonna try to explain. It's funny because, like, I was doing things well, but then you know, three days, but then two days, so so, and then I want it. But then I'm like, ah, oh, no, that's okay. No, today I can skip it. So it's like, it was always, it was never really 100%. And I think that's the uh, biggest problem we had with Patrick Marotoglu when he was my coach. And now he took me, I was like 16 years old till 18. And Patrick is very ambitious. And of course, like he wanted um, a lot. And when I was uh, 17, so I, I did this uh, semifinals in Indian Wells. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'm 27 in the world. And, and you know, so then, of course, like, all the team and him, he's super pumped. He, like, he probably thought at 18, I'm going to be number one and winning grandsons, but it didn't happen. So not only I had a lot of pressure on myself from that, 
but also I was always down on myself because I, I wasn't achieving expectations. And then, but then, yeah, I, I think back then I was always like that with off court and on court. Like I'm, I want it, I'm doing it hundred, like hundred percent, but not really, you know? So, and we're now, I think probably with my maturity and getting older, I finally realized and I value, I appreciate and value tennis much more because I was never, you know, and even now, like all, all the girls, they complain about the season, how long it is. But at, at the same time, when you take some tournaments off, they start to complain, why you took them off? We lost jobs. We need, you know, so it's like, it's too long or, or, or you want more. So I, I always say that I, I think sometimes players, um, when they go on court, they have a conscious and a subconscious, right? So mm-hmm. the, the conscience is always saying, I want to win, I want to be this, I want to win this t- title, I want to beat this person. And then there's the subconscious going, yeah, but I don't know if you're ready for that right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Are you really good enough? Can you win this semifinal of this Grand Slam? And you're kind of having this like conversation with yourself where, you're, where your thoughts don't align, right? So I'm always like, when your subconscious and conscious meet together and say, yeah, yeah, you're going to win this. We want to fucking win this. We're going to win this. It's like, yes. And I think that's when you find that you have the success because you actually, you actually believe that you can win those big matches, like a semifinal of an Australian Open, for example, that you actually believe it wholeheartedly. And do you think that that's starting to align now a little bit more in big matches? Yeah, um, yeah, I feel much more uh, comfortable playing big matches now. Um, I feel good out there and I feel stronger and more confident. Just, I think also my physical part was missing before, you know, because I, I do believe that to win a Grand Slam or to win something big or, you know, you need a combination of everything. A bit of luck, a bit of uh, like a good draw for you because there are certain players that you hate to play against mm-hmm. and certain players that you find to play against, you know. It doesn't mean you're good or she's good or she's bad. It's mm-hmm. just this like a combo. Then, yeah, exactly. And I do believe that, of course, not only mentally prepared, you got to be physically prepared. Everything has to align. And, of course, that subconscious and conscious. But also sometimes before... Uh, like I was playing quarterfinals at the Grand Slams and then all of a sudden I feel comfortable because I feel like it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why should I Why should yeah. I push for this extra when it's, I'm young and still an um, upcoming player is still good enough. So just, you know. Is it not I wanting to have it, the pressure? Is it not wanting to have the pressure of the spotlight? Because you also know and have seen what winning a Grand Slam, for example, has mm-hmm. has done right is that part of yeah. it is it a little bit of um being afraid to have the success yeah yeah could be yeah absolutely there's also like a reaction um um we'll change yeah. that <laughs> just kidding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you were talking about in terms of all the expectations both from you know outside coaches from you know training having a ton of expectations really is something hard to grapple with. And I think like maybe it's a defense mechanism um, Mm. for not 
for for not getting too emotionally invested and then too hurt if it doesn't mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen. So you say, ah, it's good enough. I made a semi. Ah, yeah. It's good enough. yeah, you know, I'm playing well. Yeah. I the player played better. Uh, I always had this uh, pressure um, that I, I I have to I I need to and it was killing me. Like it, it's tough to I couldn't really enjoy uh, because every time you play, it's just like you gotta do better you gotta do you know and also coming from a russian family where your dad was your coach and super strict it's never good enough never mm-hmm. even if you win the tournament my dad would come up to me and say yeah but your forehand technique you didn't do it properly here your swing wasn't i'm like Okay, you you gotta be kidding me. But you know, this like that's how we grow up in Russia and it's never good enough. And and so um yeah, and also so I was putting this pressure by myself as well and me and I was comparing myself which thanks God I don't do it anymore, but I was I'm, I have to be honest, I was comparing myself to other girls and um a bit older my age and I was like, Okay, but you know, that's the worst thing you can do. And so, and sometimes you also had matches where you wanted too much that all of a sudden you got so tight because you wanted too badly that I couldn't, I couldn't uh, separate this. I want so much and what I need to do to win this match. I, I just couldn't separate those. So yeah, I, I think I've experienced a lot of stuff um, on court, but like now I think it's, um, a bit more clear in my head what I want, what I need, because because I think also I was playing tennis um, because I, I had to, because my parents wanted me to, and my dad told me that I was good and he was pushing me real hard. And when you're 14, I was number one in juniors when I won Australian Open. Mm-hmm. And all I care about during that final was this uh, kangaroo that I'm going to get you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't realizing what I'm doing. Like I, I just knew how to hit a tennis ball. So I, I was doing it like automatically, but you know, um, and, and I, I didn't know what I need, why I'm doing this. Oh my God, I, I, would, I would know what to do with you as a coach. I would just buy you a stuffed toy and put it over <laughs> in the corner of a court and be like, Nastia, don't worry about the check. Don't worry about winning. This is going to be yours at the end of the match. That's it. Oh, it was the best. It was it was the best present um, ever. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that the my point is that you know you I wasn't realizing why I'm doing it for why because my parents want me. But actually, what it gonna bring me in life? You know what what um, after what I'm gonna do? So what? But now, okay. So I think that's the main thing is to know why you're doing this. What you want? What is your goal? Then when it's all clear, you then you try to think, okay, who I need to help me with this and what I'm doing and stuff like that. So I think, yeah. Good. And now it sounds like we have a good pro tip for whoever your next coach is for what helps you get motivated. You know, stuffed animals. It thing. might it might be different yeah. now. I'm thinking that Nastia might need like maybe a Gucci purse over there. <laughs> exactly. Right? I'm, I mean, I'm no dummy. I see you. So I'm just thinking... You know, you can have that, which is important. It's goal setting. And sometimes it's simple things to actually, you know, make it micro, right? 
instead of macro, you go, just think about that. You know, if you win, you can go shopping. And it, and it does help you take away sometimes the pressure of the enormity of something you're trying to do, which is win a Grand Slam. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our life, I'm not complaining, but uh, that's a very tough, it's a hard life. Um, the traveling we're doing, the sacrifices we're doing, um, we barely see our family, we barely have a normal life and friends and stuff like that. So, I mean, of course, we win a lot. There is a lot of positives from that, a lot of benefits. But, you know, like people have to also understand and we, we do sacrifice a lot. So, you know, uh, it's good to definitely need something and somebody who understands how to take the pressure off because there is a lot of freaking nerves and pressure every time you wake up the day uh, of the match and you're always nervous. It will never go away unless you're Retired. immediate. I'm sorry, but exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, <laughs> And then you start, and then you start drinking like me. And then, cause you know, you put 30 years of nerves uh, on yourself. For, so you just, by the way, by the way, I was uh, also at, uh, cause I mentioned I love fashion. So you're right now. It's not stuff twist. It's uh, Gucci and stuff like that, but yeah. also red wine yeah. is always a good idea. Yeah. A good, French red wine. So, uh, yeah. I had one, almost an entire one last night for you. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should have, we should have we done should have it all together. together. You right yeah. now. Cheers. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. So you can, you're happy to call me anytime. FaceTime me anytime. Uh, uh, get Renee in the hour. And yeah. happy, it's always five o'clock at Renee's house. Yeah. I would come over for breakfast and she's like, hey, you want to like it's 10 a.m. So tap the break. We want to say thank you. I also want to say um, now that you said that tennis is a hard life, you are on the road, you are away from your family. Well, you are spending a lot of time with your family right now. So enjoy it and don't complain about it. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, girls. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Nastia, I love you. I cannot wait to see you somewhere down the line, somewhere. I'll be, I'm, I'm super interested to see who you bring along in your team, because I think you, there's no question you have the talent to uh, win that Grand Slam. We've seen a lot of one time, one time we've seen a couple of random Grand Slam winners over the last few years that we thought, wow, that's crazy. Um, And there's no doubt that I think a lot of those players have given inspiration to players like you, that you can, you can do it. So I want you to start believing in yourself a little more. Yeah. Inspiration and frustration. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, girls. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you again. Thanks. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.